You're now listening to the First Baptist Church of America's podcast. If you have any questions about our church, please check us out online at fbcamericas.org. This week, we continue our journey through John's Gospel as Brother Keith opens up for us the last part of Chapter 5, where we talk about the valid testimonies that were given about Jesus. Let's listen in. Amen. Are you bound for that promised land? You aren't until you confess faith in Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about that today. At 6 o'clock this morning, my phone dinged. I had a text message, and I ignored it because I thought, that's Andy texting me to say that he's not coming. And so, you know, it gives a second ding to remind you that you received a text. I ignored it again because I knew what it was. And uh, so I was telling Judy about it later, and, and she said she was trying to be helpful. And she was, and she said, well, at least you had more notice than when uh, Brother Comer walked out during the offertory. And some of you will remember that years ago. He became ill and left at the offertory, sent a note and said, I'm ill, I'm leaving. Well, I was listening to a, a talk by uh, Andy Stanley talking about preaching, and he prepares three weeks in advance. That's some good advice. <laughs> I ought to try that sometime. Well, we're looking in John's Gospel, and we're just going through John's Gospel, taking as long as necessary to hear what God is telling us through this Gospel. And uh, we're in chapter 5, and today we'll be looking at verses 31 through the rest of the chapter. And I had begun looking ahead for next week's sermon, so this is next week's sermon. That doesn't mean you don't need to come next week, but this is what today will be. And if you remember, this started, Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath. And he, at the pool of Bethesda, he healed this man, and it started a controversy with the religious leaders. Why? Well, because it was the Sabbath day. So there were two things that they got upset with Jesus about. One was that he healed on the Sabbath day. He worked on the Sabbath. And the second thing was that he claimed equality with God, without a doubt. I mean, there's no doubt as to what Jesus was claiming, and the religious leaders didn't miss that. They heard it loud and clear. And because of that, they were out to get Jesus. They began to persecute him more and more from that point on. And so last week, we saw the... the um, first part of this chapter of five and Jesus' response to the religious leaders. And if you were here last week, you saw that enacted on the video that I showed. And you saw that it was not just a, a happy little discourse that Jesus had with the religious leaders. He was stern in his response to them. Jewish law said that a single testimony was useless. It had to have, whatever the accusation was, two or three testimonies were required. 
Well, here in this passage, Jesus is pointing to five testimonies that support his claim of who he was, that support his claim that he is equal with God. Five testimonies. The first is the testimony of John the Baptist. Look at verse 31. Verse 31 through 35. I, if I testify about myself, my testimony is not valid. There is another who testifies in my favor. And I know that his testimony about me is valid. You have sent to John, that is John the Baptist, and he has testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. Now, the Jews thought for a time that John the Baptist was actually ushering in the Messiah. That's what they thought. So for a time, they accepted what John the Baptist was saying until it became clear to them that what John the Baptist was talking about was not the Messiah that they had a preconceived idea about. But for a time, they listened. John the Baptist testified to the truth, but they rejected it. As I said, they had a preconceived notion of who they wanted the Messiah to be, and Jesus didn't fit that notion. And so they rejected John's testimony. John's testimony was like a lamp, he says, shining in the darkness. Your testimony is the same way. It's a light shining in the darkness. If, in fact, you have a testimony, and if, in fact, you are shining your testimony. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. But that was the first testimony that Jesus presented, John the Baptist. The second one was his works. Verse 36, I have testimony weightier than that of John, for the very work that the Father has given me to finish and which I am doing testifies that the Father sent me. Now, who else do you know who is consistent in what they say and what they do? You know, we, we talk a big talk, but we're not always consistent with what we say and what we do. Ideally, those two things will match up especially in the Christian's life, if they don't, we are living a false testimony. But in Jesus, everything was consistent from beginning to end. He lived a perfect life. Who else can claim to heal the sick and heal the sick? Only Jesus. Who else can claim to uh, give life? Jesus. He did. He gave life. He had that authority, as we talked about last week. That is one of the prerogatives of God, is to give life. Jesus gave life just like his father did. He had that authority, and he was consistent in what he said and what he did. Only Jesus lives that kind of life. His works validated his words. And so this second testimony is the very works that his father gave him to do that he was 
doing in obedience to his Father. And that's not only the works that we see in Scripture, but that's works that you see happening every day in your life. You pray, God, help me through this situation. And it's the presence of Christ in you that helps you through that difficult situation. And his text for this morning was um, Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so when I talked to him on the phone this morning, he said, I'm trying to understand the text that I was going to preach this morning. That in all things... He works for the good of those who love. So you know the works of God happening in your life right now. It's not just the works in, in the Bible, but the works around us all the time, giving you peace, giving you that help, giving you the ability to love that unlovely person. Isn't that a miracle in itself? When, when you just... You know you don't want to love that person. But then you find yourself loving that person, sustaining you in trouble, giving you hope. Do you have hope? If you have Christ, you do. So exercise it. So John the Baptist, his words, the third testimony is that of God himself. Look at verse 37. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. How does the word of God dwell in us? By believing in the one he sent, Jesus Christ. So if you don't believe in Jesus, you don't have the word of God in you. But if we believe, we have the word of God in us. So the fa father himself testifies to his son. What other testimony is needed, really? Think about it. Here is God of the universe testifying that Jesus is his son. That's pretty amazing. If God says something, shouldn't that be sufficient? But sadly, it's not. Sadly, it's not enough. People want more. When Jesus was baptized, remember at the uh, beginning of John, John the Baptist baptized Jesus, and there was a voice from heaven that said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. There is God's voice declaring that Jesus was his son. And then at the transfiguration on the mountain, God said again, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And at that time he added, listen to him. Listen to him. So God's voice heard claiming Jesus as son. But also his voice through his word. And that's the fourth testimony of the scriptures. Verse 39 you diligently study the scriptures because you think by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I do not accept praise from men, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. 
But if someone comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe if you accept praise from one another, yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only God? See, the Jews held the Scriptures in high esteem. They still do. Those who are practicing Jews today, they study the Scriptures. And they knew, know the Scriptures, especially the, the Old Testament, better than Christians do because they hold it in high esteem, but they missed the point. They studied it and studied it and studied it, but they missed the point of what the Scriptures are all about. Jesus. See, it's not studying the Bible that gives life. They thought that they would earn God's favor by knowing His Word. And because they would earn His favor, they would have life. But that's not what gives life. The Scriptures point to Jesus, and He is who gives life. That was the purpose of Andy Cook coming. I'm so disappointed that he's not going to be here this week because I was so looking forward to it, to seeing these scriptures come to life as we walked in those places this past spring. And I wanted you to share part of that experience, that you too would see it and it would come alive in your life. That is not just words on a page, but it points to something else, to someone else, and it points to Jesus you can believe we're going to reschedule this because I still want you to see Scriptures come to life. Because in the Scripture is the way to life. Jesus. The religious leaders, they lived for the praise of men, but in doing that, they missed the praise of God because they rejected and refused to believe Jesus. See, unless you see Jesus in Scriptures, you are studying Scriptures in vain. You're just studying history. And it is history. It's real. But the point of it is to lead us and point us to Jesus Christ. And if you miss that by studying Scripture, then you've missed the point. So students, when you go to your Bible studies... Let those Bible studies take you to the Lord Jesus Christ. When you come to Sunday school, is it only coming to learn a little lesson about the Bible? It all points to Jesus. All of it. The Bible is one story of redemption with a whole lot of illustrations. It's one story of God redeeming mankind, and He did that through Jesus Christ. So all the way from Genesis to Revelation, it's pointing to Jesus. All of it does. Even Moses, and that's the fifth testimony. The testimony of Moses, verse 45. But do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? See, their whole life was based and built on the law of Moses, and Moses was where their hope was set. But Jesus said, Moses spoke of me, and you don't believe Moses, so how can you believe me? 
and Moses would testify against them. They missed the fact that even Moses pointed forward to Jesus. He said, I will raise up a prophet like me. And he's speaking of Jesus, but more than that, but he's, he's speaking forward in, in signs and types of Christ, all pointing forward to Jesus. And again, see, they had that preconceived notion of Messiah, but Jesus didn't fit it. And they missed it. Do you listen to sermons and miss it because you refuse to believe Jesus? Or that you refuse to make Him Lord of your life? See, it's not enough to believe. The demons believe in Christ, but we believe in Christ and we make Him Lord. So then our testimony is added to all the testimonies of Scripture. So my question for you this morning is, can you add your testimony that Jesus is God's Son and your Savior? Can you add that testimony to these five that Jesus gave? I hope you can. And see, our, our testimony is important because we live in a time that we need the light to shine. There's a little room back here. Most of you don't know this room is there. But it's a, a closet. And in the closet is a little door. The little door is about this high. But the little door goes to another room. And a lot of you are going to want to see this room after we finish. But it's concrete floor, concrete walls, concrete ceiling. It's actually underneath the baptistry. It's all concrete. And the door itself is metal. And so when you go in there, you close the door. Do you know what's there? Darkness. Absolute pitch black darkness. You can't even see your hand in front of your face. I went in there this morning to fill up this box with darkness. I did. I don't spend a lot of time in that room. <laughs> uh, it, it houses a couple of urns and things like that. But I went in that room for this illustration. I took the box and I opened it up. And I filled it up with darkness. And I sealed it. See, it's sealed. And I'm going to open it and let the darkness out. See, I sealed it up good. Now, here is the darkness. Did you see that? Darkness is only dark when the light doesn't shine. No amount of darkness can overcome light. Light dispels darkness. 
So when we're talking about our testimony, if I were to take this candle in that room, it would have a totally different effect on that darkness than this darkness had on this light. It would be totally different. And see, the point is that your testimony is like this light. Your testimony is not like darkness, but your testimony dispels darkness. I went to a meeting this week of, of how churches can get involved in our local school systems. Well, basically, they want behavior modification, not transformation. And see, my belief is that the army is on the field, and that is the church. And the only reason darkness seems to be taking over is because the church isn't letting its light shine at college, at middle school, at grade school, at work at the grocery store, wherever you are. See, if your light is not shining, then the darkness seems to be taking over. But it cannot, and it will not, based on the testimony of Jesus, who is the light. And if we have Christ, He is in us. And so that wherever we are, no matter how dark it is, people see Christ. So is your light shining? And if it's not, why not? Do you have the light? You can. I would invite you to. To let the words of the Scriptures come to life in your mind so that you believe, yes, Jesus is real. He is God's Son. He is equal with God. And He died for me that I could live. Do you believe it? So as I challenged you last week, if you believe it, are you living like you believe it? And if you are, then people ought to be seeing a difference in your life. They ought to be seeing this. No matter how small and insignificant your light is, and we all think our lights are insignificant, but no matter how little and puny you think your light is, you put that into a dark room and you will see it. Absolutely. If we could just black this whole room out, you could see this light from the very back row of the balcony. And it would influence this whole area. The air is about to put my illustration out, so I better move it. But do you get the point that we are called to live a life that makes a difference in a dark world? And so when you hear all the news reports about what's going on in this world, let your light shine. It's as simple as that. Wherever you are, wherever God has put you, let your light shine. And all of the Bible study that you do is for the point of Christ growing in you to the point that you are letting your light shine. If you've never admitted your own sin, that you want a Savior, you need a Savior, that you do need a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ, I invite you to do that even today. Maybe you'd like to join this fellowship. I invite you to do that. Maybe you want to follow the Lord in baptism. I would invite you to do that. Whatever it is that you can do 
that your light would shine, do it for His glory, not for ours, not for our church, no church in town, but for the glory and the sake of Jesus Christ.